In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the process of selling your home. So thank you for joining us. Um, I have Joanna, my assistant, joining me today as well. Hey, everyone. It's good to be here again. So uh, we have a lot of really good information um, that I think is going to be very useful to help um, uh, people who are thinking about selling their home. What does that process look like? Uh, and now is the time. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's, oh, it totally is. Um, you know, we are getting... Um, it's very competitive. Not many houses are on the market. Um, the prices are escalating. So most, you know, I think it was, I think the last stats I saw, I think it was a little bit over 50% of the houses are selling above the list price, multiple offers. I've heard some crazy stuff of, you know, houses getting, uh, you know, 30 offers escalating for $200,000 above the list price. Wow. That must be good. (laughs) Uh, yeah. For the, I mean, for the sellers, you know, it's hard for the buyers, but for the sellers, that is great. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a win for them. So this is a perfect time to, um, to sell if you are thinking about selling or have thought about selling in the past. So let's talk about first thing is, uh, my recommendation is finding a realtor, um, off the bat and meeting with them to discuss what your plans are. What are you planning on doing? Are you planning to downsize? Are you planning to upgrade? Are you planning to leave the state? Um, you know, it all depends on what you want to do. So a realtor will be really be able to help you um, answer a lot of those questions of what that impact is, what that market looks like, and what the different options are for you. Um, one of the other things is getting um, to go and see the house. So we can do property valuations um, on a home without seeing it, but the difficult or the challenge, the difficulty with that is that we don't know about the changes that you have done to your house in the 10 years that you've owned them and how those changes impact the value of the house. And that's an excellent point because even the other day when I was trying to, you know, practice and do comps and stuff like that on, you know, a make-believe property or just a random thing that I pick, it's difficult because, you know, you're going into these homes and you're doing these comps and you're seeing the interiors and kind of, for example, picking one that has no updated pictures or just has the front yard picture and you really have no idea what you're looking at inside. So how can you really make a, a valid comp without seeing the house as it is now? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's, you know, if a client calls me and says, you know, I want to sell my house, but I want to know what my house is worth. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing is, well, I need to know what your house looks like. Yeah. And even if I look at the previous listing photos and you've owned your house for 10 years and let's say it's an area that you have updated the kitchen, you know, you've painted the, the house from the outside. Um, I don't know what that looks like. So... I can, you know, put together some numbers. You're probably not going to like what I'm going to say because you're going to say, no, my house is worth more money. And it may be, but you don't know yet. It, and, and it probably is. But the whole thing is that I have to be able to see the house and then get back to you and say, okay, now that I know, that, you know, what's been changed to the house, um, I can give you that opinion. Now, keep in mind that some of those changes may increase the value and some of those changes may not increase the value or decrease it. I mean, yeah, I mean, the more you want to really customize it to a quirky like or whatever, maybe you might have to just accept that that may have brought it down a little bit. It, it may or even, you know, all projects start with a good intention. Yep. 
and you just never got around to finish oh, it. Oh, yeah. And you left something halfway. Yeah. And you just have to sell. Yep. You know, yeah. so, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, the other thing is when you're meeting with, with the realtor, it's review the market stats, you know, and hopefully the realtor is doing that with you. Of, I like it to be more like, let's just look at the reality of what the market is. Um, how it's currently trending upward, downward. Um, are we seeing competitive offers? Are we not seeing competitive offers? What are the comps? You know, what are the comparables, uh, comparable properties in terms of your specific home? So, I mean, and just as someone who, you know, you, you have a new seller who's never sold and, uh, you know, you're saying, well, let's get comps. Uh, how would you explain comps to them? Because... I came in with you and I'm like, oh, you're like, let's do comps. And I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. So comps are looking at comparable properties to see what they have recently sold for. So, you know, in many cases, especially, and I always approach it as to, I want to do comps based on a buyer. So based on the lender, what the lender is going to do. So most buyers are going to use a lender to finance the house. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody's going to pay cash for their home. If you're paying cash, who cares what the house appraised for? Because they're paying cash. If you're getting a loan, you have to sell the house to the buyer and you have to sell it to the bank and say, this is what the house is worth. So you have to justify that. So would you use your comps uh, to present to the appraiser? So a couple of things. One is when we're doing comps, just to answer that question before we move on is I am looking for very similar houses within that same area that have sold in the last six months. Okay. Ideally, it's three months, but it's between three to six months with really looking. Um, you know, the market last year was just really weird in 2020. Mm-hmm. So, but typically it's three to six months. What has recently sold for houses that are comparable to yours? Now look at it from the buyer's perspective. So if your budget is $700,000 and you're going out to look at homes, you, you know, you should, you're looking at what all of your options are, you know, within your criteria, and it's going to be very similar homes and styles, but you're looking at what all the, what are the options that you can get for those $700,000? Where are you going to get the bigger bang for the buck? Or where are you going to get the better features for that same amount of money? So from the seller's perspective, when you're looking at comps, you're looking at what your competition out there is. So, for example, um, your house is 20 years old. You have not updated the kitchen, but you've kept it up. You know, it still looks good. It functions well. Uh, You have carpet and you've kept it up or you've just recently replaced the carpet. And you think your house is worth $700,000. And then you have other properties, you know, the other comps that I'm using where they've updated the kitchen and they have hardwood floors or even the vinyl uh, laminate planks and it's got brand new paint you know the trend color is gray right now so it looks new and all of the other homes in that same price range look like that because they've updated the kitchen they have you know the white cabinets they have the white quartz countertops you know they've done those updates and those are the ones that are selling for about $700,000. So when you are looking at it from the buyer's perspective, 
which house are they going to buy? You know, which one's the one that's going to draw the more attention, the more interest, and, and buy? So if the banks are saying, yes, these houses of this size in this area, fully updated, are worth $700,000, and yours is an updated, then it's, you know, it's going to be very hard to get those $700,000. Yeah. So when we're looking at comps, we want to look at what the competition is and where do you measure up against all of the other houses that are on the market currently or that have recently sold because that is what the, the lender's appraiser is going to be looking at to determine the value of the house for them to fund the loan. Okay. Um, if you are going to be buying i mean selling your home and then buying somewhere local or you're buying in a different state or you're relocating one of the things that you also have to get in place is your financing so meeting with your agent um, early you know early in the process they can put together a appropriate uh, property valuation they can also create a net proceeds sheet which says all right these are going to be all of the expenses um, to sell the house and this is what the house is valued at. So we project that at the end of this whole process that you as a seller will walk away with X amount of money because then the lender that you're working with on your next purchase is going to use that, um, that profit that you're making as part of your down payment for the next house. So that's how you're, they're going to pre-qualify your, uh, pre-approve you for the next home. So it's important that you set that up. If you are not planning to purchase, or you're leaving the country, or you're just like, you know what, nope, I'm gonna go buy an RV and travel the world, and this is what I'm gonna do, then you don't need to get that financing part done. Uh, the other one is prep the home for listing. So this is a big ticket item, you know, in terms of what needs to be done, and there's a lot of moving parts, and there's a lot of people who are involved in this. Um, the first thing that I always tell my clients is we need to declutter and remove all personal items from the house. Mm -hmm. So ideally, we want to present the house um, like a showroom. You know, in a very neutral way. Yeah, very neutral way. Make it look like a showroom so it appeals to more people or there's more people who come into the house and they can envision themselves living there. Mm -hmm. You know, it might not be their style, but they're like, I can see myself here versus where it's so personal to you that it may turn other people off and you could potentially lose a very strong buyer for your home. Yeah. So decluttering, and that's, you know, the easiest thing to do. It's like, you know, we all have little knickknacks here and there. We have, you know, pictures of family that, that we want to remove, uh, you know, arts and crafts stuff that we do. So, you know, all of that, it really makes a big difference just kind of decluttering, number one. Um, you know, we do talk about the option of if you are able to moving out and then having the house staged. You know, you take everything out and then you have it just, you know, professionally staged I know that that is not an option for everybody, you know, but if, but if it works out, it's the best option. And I think, uh, you know, you're right here, obviously, you know, if it's, if it's an option, it's important to try to do that because in addition to, you know, it, it, you being able to stage and make it that neutral household, you're also not concerned with people coming into your house with your belongings. 
you know, you have things there, you may feel that people are touching things or rummaging around or, you know, concerned, you know, whatever. So I think that's important too, because you're eliminating that process. And you're also, you know, buyers are coming in, they don't feel like they're in your space. And that's a really good point, because we had this experience the other day, where we had a client, uh, we went to go show a house. And, you know, the sellers are still living in it. And it feels awkward coming into somebody's home who's still living there. You kind of want to look, you know, um, to see what the conditions are in, you know, underneath the sinks, you know, you open it and it's full of their stuff. You walk into the closet because you want to kind of get a feel yeah. for, you know, how much closet space there's in there and all of their stuff is in there. And it feels like you're intruding. So it really does, especially when you kind of, you know, you walk into the house and you can literally smell the shampoo from the, you know, it, it made it very personal and it kind of feels like, oh, you know, I shouldn't be here. Yeah. And that's, and, you know, and that's kind of one of the things that's like we really need to be thinking about um, how do we, how, how do we make it, you know, as, as we're listing the house, how do we make that experience as pleasant mm-hmm. and easy for the sellers mm-hmm. because the whole point is we want to get as many people to come into the house to see it and then fall in love with the house see themselves in there so they submit an offer and in today's competitive you know sellers market is we want you to submit an offer and be competitive and compete with the other offers so you get the house yeah. so you know th- th- some of those things um, that are just really important to discuss and to know what the impact is, you know, whichever which way you decide to go. Um, some of the, one of the things that we talk about is touch-ups and updates. Um, I know that as careful as we all are, <laughs> there's always touch-ups that need to be done uh, to a house. So, you know, what was this, a couple of days ago? Yes, important to notice <laughs> if you have toddlers. <laughs> yeah, so a couple of days ago, um, you know, I walked up to Joanna and I said, oh, I can totally tell there's a kid in this house. And she's like, well, why? I'm like, come over here. So I, t- I took her by the kitchen and there's a wall in the living room that you can see all these little, you know, uh, like dirt marks on the wall. And Joanna's like, well, why would Catherine do that? I'm like, Joanna, it is too low for any of us to <laughs> dirty that wall there. It's two feet off the ground, which is her height. And I'm like, I'm just showing her all this stuff. She's like, oh. Yeah, there's a ch- there's children in this house. Um, hey, magic eraser, baby, took it all off. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you know, looking at you know doing some touch ups, you know, paint, updating the paint uh, because it does fade with time. Especially if you have you know pictures and paintings up on the wall, it'll create a little frame. Mm-hmm. Um, it won't look as sharp. So painting, doing some updates to it, you know, cleaning the carpet or updating the carpet. Uh, you know, there's things that you can do to the house to update it and make it look more pleasant for the next person coming in to buy. Um, just keep in mind, everybody loves new, shiny new stuff. So uh, let's you know, try to present it as new, newer as, as possible. Uh, you know, that kind of talks, you know, that kind of leads into the next thing that I wanted to talk about is the value in minor investments. I know that some of you already know what it costs to paint an interior of a house if you are not doing it. So if it's not going to be a DIY project and you're going to hire someone, you're like, yeah, that's a few thousand dollars to do. Um, But let me give you this example that I had um, just a couple months ago with a client. So, and I did get permission from him to talk about this. So I'm, you know, uh, I'm comfortable with that. So what happened was 
he lives out of state. He's an only child. His father um, had passed away. And he's like, I need to sell this house. And I can't be here for a long period of time. I really don't want to do much to the house. It's hard enough, you know, losing my parents and having to deal with this. Totally get it. Totally get it. So the initial approach to it was, let's just clean the house, sell it as it is. I am comfortable with getting, you know, God, I think, what was it? I think it was like $500,000. He was comfortable with getting that. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, you know, and I explained the other options. He's like, no, he's like, thanks for explaining that. No, I think I'm good. I just want to do this one thing and be done. Perfect. So we went through, we decluttered the house, we removed everything and had the carpets cleaned. And then I had, I had the house photographed. And I said, okay, cool. Here are the comps if we list the house the way it is now. And he was comfortable with that. So saw the photographs, he goes, oh, it looks really good. He's like, wow, that was a lot of stuff that was removed. It looks great. Oh my God, you did a great job, blah, blah, blah. So, but then I went back to him and I said, hey, if you invest $10,000, $15,000, cleaning up the landscape, painting the inside of the house, and changing the carpet, it would give it a whole different look and then we'll get the house staged and he's like well why so i kind of ran some numbers and i came to some ideas so now here's what happened initially he was perfectly fine with getting five hundred thousand dollars for the house because there was no investment on his part and it was going to be sold as is we um he decided to move forward and do the investment i think it was like twelve thousand dollars and the landscape was redone um, which all of it was really just cleaning, cleaning up, um, painted all of the interior, new carpet, and then had the house staged and, um, we listed the house. So by that point, the house looks so good that the comps were different. And now I felt comfortable that the house would probably sell around 450. 550. Yeah, sorry, say 550. Thank you for checking me on that. So I felt comfortable that the house was going to sell for about 550. So we're like, okay, cool. Here's what's going to happen. He was already happy that he could potentially get an additional $50,000, you know, because we're- Which list- is good. Yeah. You know, because he was like, I'm happy if I sell it so for 500. So now we're listing it at almost $50,000. So what happened is uh, put it on the market on Tuesday, had, I think it was about 30 people come through the house. And, and, and by the way, this was in the fall of 2020. Mm-hmm. So, you know, dealing with the pandemic and then, um, got multiple offers in the house escalated in price and it sold for 600,000. Wow. Yeah. Right. So at this point, you know, we listed it about 548. It sold $52,000 above the asking price. Minus the $12,000 that he invested, he made an additional $40,000 just on that part alone from the list to the sale price. And I think it's important to, you know, kind of circle back with the fact that he was okay at 500. Exactly. So he got in reality, it was more than those just 40 because he would been, he was okay initially. 
with those 500, did some updates, and then, you know, obviously comps were readjusted, and we got to that final number. But that that little bit did such a difference. And and one his expectations of what to get, and then the reality of what happened. Yeah. So he was incredibly happy with this whole bit and how everything worked out that he actually gave me permission to use the before and after photos to show other sellers what a difference. So I'll put that on my website. You can go on there and take a look. It's markchavezrealty.com. And you can, you'll be able to see that information on there. Uh, but that really makes a difference. And I mean, what other opportunities are out there where you can invest $12,000 and then from that make what, uh, $87,000? $87, yeah. And I think though, not that it happened in this scenario, but just, you know, let's be mindful of where the house is being listed and whether you have carpet uh, or you or you want to put in carpet or you're going to clean. You know, just be mindful if you're going to put in new carpet of what your surroundings are yeah. because we're in an area that is constantly, you know, and we're, you know, where, you know, Mark lives now, there's white carpet and it's a constant battle just to keep clean. So if you come in, you know, you have buyers, you know, touring the home and they're like, well, it's constantly raining and there's mud, you know, right out the door. You know, look at what yeah. the entrance is. Do they have, you know, a clean walkway to get in? And maybe it's more feasible to be like, okay, white carpet's good. But if it's a little dirty on the outside, maybe they're not, they're going to be turned off by the fact that they have to keep that carpet clean. Yeah. And you know what? And here's the interesting part, you know, to, to put the cherry on top on this. I later, later found out that the buyers for this home were going to remodel the entire house. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so you know what? So here's the thing. Even though the buyers were going to remodel the entire house, I can assure you that if if we had not painted, if we had not put in the new carpet, if we had not staged... And they, landscaping there, yeah. Yeah, and done the landscape, um, that they would have offered a much lesser price for the house and felt like they got a better deal yeah. then. But then the seller would have lost out on that money. Yeah. So regardless of what the new buyers are going to do... When we're working on listing your home, it's really focused on how can we get you the most money with the most solid offer so it doesn't fall through. So that will lead into, you know, our next topic about reviewing offers. So from the seller's perspective, this is what I look for. I look for which is the offer that is the strongest with the least amount of contingencies and terms in the offer and the most qualified buyer. Can we just quickly elaborate on what contingencies are for people that don't know? Yeah, so contingencies are, so for example, if you were submitting an offer, if we got two offers, so let's talk about offer A and offer B. Offer A has a contingency to review title and get out of the deal if the title, uh, uh, if there's concerns with the title report, uh, to do a sewer and home inspection so they can get out of the deal because they didn't like the, the results from the inspection. Um, lead-based paint to whether test the house if, it, if the interior paint has lead. Now, keep in mind that um, homes that were built in 1978, um, the paint that they used probably had lead in it. Well, 1978 and before, so we're not yeah. to keep that in mind, yeah. Yeah, so b- before that. So uh, those are three. Um, there is on the purchase and sale agreement, there is a section, paragraph W, that talks about verifying the information that is being um, advertised in the listing by the agent and represented by the seller. Um, so those are some of the um, contingencies that are there. Now, if offer B 
has waived title review, um, has done a pre-inspection, or if the seller decided to to do an inspection and they waived inspection totally, they called you know and reviewed title ahead of time before submitting the offer. They already verified you know or looked up the neighborhood, verified the information from the listing. Um, wave wave lead based paint. They wave lead based lead based paint. They wave the seller disclosure mm-hmm. uh, form, and maybe the only thing that's left is financing. Which offer is stronger? Because at this point, the only way that they can get out of this deal, an offer B, is if something happens to their employment where they can no longer get the loan. Yeah. Versus offer A that has all those contingencies. They have many ways to get out of the deal. So that's one of the things that we really focus on is like, okay, who is, you know, the, the conditions of the, of, the, um, of the offer, what are the terms, and also the, um, how qualified is the buyer. So I call every offer that I get, I call and I verify uh, with the lender and I have a series of questions and I'm like, do they have the funds? Do they have funds, you know, liquid funds that they can easily access to cover if it's a low appraisal? You know, are they gift funds? Um, what else do I ask? Um, have they gone through underwriting? Have they verified employment? Have they verified everything? So I want to make sure that they have all that information that I am comfortable presenting them. Say this is a qualified buyer. So that kind of goes into you know the difference between being um, pre-qualified and pre-approved. And I talk more about that in my um, buyer. Uh, what is it? The process of buying a home in that podcast so i elaborate a little bit more there um but that's the stuff that we review you know from the seller's perspective um in terms of negotiating you know it's a it's like what do you negotiate and we were having this discussion before we we um you know as we were prepping for the podcast is from the seller's perspective um if there is a contingency for them to do an inspection after you've accepted the offer more than likely they're going to come back to you and say, we did the inspection. Um, There's a few things that we would like to be addressed. For example, the water heater is towards the end of its life. Mm -hmm. We want you to replace it. Um, The, there aren't any, or there's missing a smoke detector in one of the bedrooms. We want you to put that in. So, some of the stuff that can be negotiated from there is saying, you know what, uh, my client is unavailable um, or doesn't really want to deal with replacing the water heater or getting someone to come and do it because they don't feel comfortable having someone, somebody, a contractor in the house to do the work. We can negotiate that instead of replacing it, just give the buyer a credit. Okay. So there's other things in which um, we can negotiate, say, no, you know, we're not going to make this repair, you know, and... We go back and forth. You know, if you give me a list of 10 items to be repaired, maybe my sellers can say, you know what? I will take care of these seven things, but these three things we're not going to take care of. So, you know, from the buyer's perspective, you got the majority of them. Mm-hmm. So kind of go from there. I've also seen some um, negotiating that comes back where they purposely give me a list of items that to be repaired and some of those were like oh yeah the paint needs to be touched up and stuff like that you know little minor things where it's like yeah seller's not going to do that but they agree to do some of the more safety issues um and you know some of the 
you know, some of the other items anyway. But, you know, we do work on, on taking care of those, uh, of negotiating some of those inspection repairs. Um, also, the low appraisal. That is something that we've been seeing more and more in today's market. Yes, definitely. So when I am listing a house, one thing that I do is I put together an appraiser packet that shows this is how I came up with the value of the house. Mm -hmm. This is how what I believe that the house is worth in terms of um, uh, uh, justifying the sale price. So I put together comps. And I say, here's the market strategy. These are the comps that I use for this house. So therefore, I think the house is worth this. And this is the way the market is currently, you know, um, behaving. So there's not enough inventory out there. So the houses are worth more because people are willing to pay more money. Mm -hmm. And we got multiple offers. We got 10 offers on this house. Here's a copy of some of the other offers to show that more than one person was interested. So I typically I typically put all of the offers on a spreadsheet. So we're really being able to compare apples to apples, look at all of the numbers, look at to see what was waived, what wasn't waived. And I can forward that along with one or two other competing offers um, to the appraiser with that packet and be like, here's the interest in this house. So if I have 10 people who are willing to escalate over $100,000 for this house, that justifies the price because we all know that buyers are the ones that determine the value of a home. Mm -hmm. You know, buyers are the market. So um, luckily, you know, knocking on wood that this really um, has been successful. I've had appraisers give me really good feedback that they really appreciate that. Um, and, you know, it helps justify and ideally justify the price and eliminate those potentials for low appraisals. Um, the other thing is, that, you know, contract uh, date modification. In today's world, you know, everybody's working from home. We are, you know, working from home. And sometimes there's a delay with getting things done because people have to go into the office, you know, for a wet signature or something like that. Um, so sometimes those dates need to be modified. So in terms of negotiating, sometimes we do have to negotiate an extension date for closing or an extension for any of the other deadlines that need to be done. And of course, the last thing is closing. So as a realtor, um, you know, one of my full-time jobs is to make sure that everybody is playing nice in the sandbox <laughs> and that um, I'm making sure that everybody is getting the information that they need making me aware as to what's missing so if i need to talk to the lender to find out where we are and say yeah you know i've sent i've sent you know uh, the client a request to submit this i haven't heard from them in a couple of days i am calling the client be like hey we need to get this over to them right away so my job is to make sure that everybody is staying on top of this transaction and that they are really um, focusing on getting all those items turned in on time providing the information that's needed so we can ensure a smooth close and closing on time because the worst thing that everybody hates is delay in closing especially you know well one the sellers want their money and they want to you know close this chapter of their life and move on and the second thing is the buyers many times are like i have movers scheduled mm -hmm. you know so um but anyway yeah so that's kind of what we have for today a lot of good information. I think that, you know, there's a lot of useful tips on, you know, how to get your listing out there efficiently and hopefully get your best uh, your best uh, return. 
Yeah, you know. So again, thank you very much for for joining us. Uh, I hope that you found this information useful. Please subscribe uh, to my channel, um, and then you know we'll be presenting more uh, um, podcasts. I'm trying to blank today. I don't know why. Uh, you know, more podcasts, hopefully more valuable information. If there is stuff out there that you would like to um, uh, have us talk about, uh, please let me know. Send me an email. Send me a text message. That would be really great. Uh, please also follow us on Instagram and Facebook under Mark Chavez Realty. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. So please reach out for any questions that you may have. You can contact me through any of my social media. It is Mark Chavez Realty. You can find me on my website, Facebook, Instagram under that handle. And you can also give me a call or send me a text at 206-960-6275.